Welcome everybody to episode 4 of the Real Nerdom 101 podcast. I am your host, Superbeard Vince Hoover. As always, don't forget to check out www.nerddom101.com. That is N-E-R-D-D-O-M-1-0-1.com. Podcast available on all your podcasting sites, including Pippa.io, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Deezer, and so many more. Um, before we get into today's episode, which we will be discussing Deadpool 2 at length, at nauseum, as it were, uh, a little bit of news, your boy Superbeard here is now a contributing writer for ScreenGeek.net. So I uh, started about a week ago, already have over two dozen articles up there, so if you get a chance... Go check it out, ScreenGeek.net. Tons of great articles on there, um, and not just by me. There's tons of great writers on there. So all the latest news on everything you want to know is right there waiting for you there. So go check it out. Uh, in fact, I have written several articles about Deadpool 2, so I will be using uh, my articles as part of the podcast today as we discuss the movie. So, obviously... Spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. We're going to get very in-depth on the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, press pause and come back and listen to this episode after you've seen it. Um, and go see it. It's a fantastic film. It's hilarious. So if you like the first one, you'll love the second one. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get started with the film. Before we get into like breakdowns about Easter eggs and plot and and stuff like that, let's just discuss the movie in general. Like I said, love the film. It was hilarious and fun and full of that, you know, typical meta fourth wall breaking Deadpool humor. Uh, with tons of Easter eggs for comic book fans, movie fans, pop culture fans, whatever you want. Um, but the story overall was a actually, I think, a deeper, more emotional story sprinkled in there with all the humor and, you know, and the dick and ball jokes and stuff. So, uh, it, I thought it was, it, it really, I think, fleshed out some good characters, um, and really set up for X-Force and a possible Deadpool 3. So, overall... Definitely give it a thumbs up or however you want to rate it. Stars, you know, whatever. Uh, fantastic, fantastic film. And uh, so, again, I highly recommend it. Go, go see it. Go see it more than once. Do whatever, you, you know. Go check it out. Um, totally worth seeing. So, basic review done right there. Um, now, let's get into this Ryan Reynolds comedic classic as it were um so basic plot is this uh deadpool is of course um now living his life with vanessa uh and continuing to do his hitman ways you know hitman for hire out of the uh the bar that weasel runs and uh but he is sticking to taking out just bad people keeping that good guy I mean, granted, he murders him very violently, but um, the movie starts with him actually attempting to kill himself, but I'll get to that in a minute, and then explains why, how he got there 
in a nice brilliant montage of violence and mayhem that only Deadpool can do as he goes through and kills a bunch of people. Now, in the process of getting these marks that he's trying to get, he his last mark actually happens to get away. You might have seen it in the trailer, the scene where he comes running out down the alleyway and dives right into Dopinder's taxi with all the guys chasing him. Yeah, that's the scene. Well, he goes back home to Vanessa, um, and they decide it's time to maybe have a child, start a family. So they get all excited. Of course, there's tons of jokes there about having a, a single-name child like Cher or, you know, Beyonce or, you know, Connor, something like that. And Connor, by the way, is a nice little Easter egg. I'll get to that in a minute. But the Mark that he did not kill actually shows up and ends up accidentally shooting Vanessa instead. So Vanessa dies, and Deadpool gets the guy, kills him rather violently, and then realizes that it's time for him. He's just like, he has nothing left. So he tries blowing himself up. And of course he survives. Um, so... Colossus finds him, takes him back to the X-Mansion. He moves around the X-Mansion uh, for quite some time until finally deciding that, you know what, maybe the best way for me to honor Vanessa is to do some good and maybe save somebody. So he happens to see a new story about a mutant under attack because uh, he was messing up at this school. So he gets his X-Men training uniform and takes Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead out to save the kid whose name is Russell. Russell ends up being kind of the main plot point throughout the film. And Russell uh, is stuck at the Essex, Essex boarding school for wayward mutants. And it's basically where they torture mutants and tell them that we can, you know, beat the mutant gene out of you kind of thing. So, of course, another more hilarity ensues, all this kind of stuff. Deadpool, of course, takes it too far, kills one of the orderlies uh, when he finds out they're abusing the kid. And then they get arrested and get sent to what's called the Icebox, which is a mutant prison. In the mutant prison, they are outfitted with these collars that are power-dampening collars. So everybody in the prison is a mutant, but they also don't really have their powers, so it's just the prison. But it's, you know... Still a, you know, Supermax-style prison. While there, he runs into, you know, some, of course, shady pitch, you know, people, shady, shady problems. Including a nice little cameo by Black Tom Cassidy. Which sets up his normal running partner, um, which I'll tell you in a little bit. So, Russell is trying to figure out a way to make it work at the prison, but Wade's dying. I mean, he's literally dying of cancer. So he's just like, forget, I've been wanting to die anyways. Now I can be with Vanessa. I'm going to let it go. But at this time, Cable travels back in time from the future and shows up at the prison. Now, he's not there to kill Deadpool. He's there to kill Russell. He doesn't even know who Deadpool is. Um, attack happens. Deadpool's collar comes off. Uh, he fights Cable. They end up getting out of the prison, and Russell gets away. Uh, or doesn't get away. He gets... That's right, he stays behind. 
So, but Cable, they're on a mountain, big, huge mountainside. So, Cable and Deadpool end up going down like this big waterfall drop side of the mountain. And Deadpool goes away. Cable goes another way. And that's when Cable realizes, or Deadpool, I'm sorry, realizes he needs more than just him to save the boy. He's going to stop Cable from killing this kid at any cost because a kid shouldn't have to die. Again, it's all kind of in lieu of, you know, Vanessa would have wanted him to do the right thing. So he decides to form X-Force, and that includes putting an ad out in the paper. And he gets Domino, Bedlam, played by Terry Crews, uh, Zeitgeist, Shatterstar, The Vanisher, and Peter. Uh, Peter's a regular dude, but they go ahead and accept it anyways. So they plan out their mission, realize that everybody at the icebox is being transferred to a different prison, and Cable plans on hitting the truck that they're in to kill Russell. So in the process of you know parachuting out of a plane to go save Russell, X-Force doesn't make it, uh, believe it or not. That's pretty crazy, but uh, all except Domino and uh, Deadpool uh, die. There was heavy headwinds, and it blew them off course, and, you know, Bedlam gets lands right into the oncoming, uh, on an oncoming bus, so he gets killed. Uh, Zeitgeist lands into a wood chipper. Uh, Shatterstar lands into the road-hitting blades of a helicopter that's about to take off. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And Vanisher ends up falling into, uh, uh, ends up falling into some live power lines. So, uh, Peter lands safely, um, but sees Zeitgeist in the wood chipper and tries to pull him out. Well, of course, anybody who knows who Zeitgeist is, his powers are acid vomit. He throws up a crazy acid vomit. And in a process of his legs starting to get chipped up in the wood chipper, he gets and goes and vomits all over Peter, thus killing Peter as well. Domino, of course, her powers are luck, so she lands on a, a giant four-story inflatable uh, panda bear. So she's safe. Oh no, I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. She actually ends up on course and lands on the truck like originally planned. Um, she takes over driving the 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 truck. Deadpool catches up right at the same time Cable shows up. So of course there's a battle ensues, big crash, all kinds of craziness, and then Russell helps another prisoner escape. This prisoner happens to be the biggest, baddest prisoner from the place, which he said you always got to take out the big guy or become his friend. Russell befriends none other than the Juggernaut. So the Juggernaut uh, is freed by Russell, who he then rips Deadpool in half, and him and Russell get away. Uh, Cable runs off. Domino helps get uh, Deadpool back to Blind Al's apartment where he begins to heal. While he's there, he's kind of just given up on the whole situation, and it's over and done with. Um, but Cable shows up and said, look, I don't like you, but we need to work together. Um, the reason I'm going after this boy is because in the future, once he goes back to the school and kills the headmaster, he gets a taste for murder and goes back and ends up becoming 
a huge mass murderer, including killing killing Cable's wife and child. His child's name, by the way, is Hope. Another Easter egg. So, reluctantly, Deadpool agrees to join with him, but he says, you got to give me at least 30 seconds to try to reason with the kid. We don't have to kill him. We can stop him from being a killer. So, they see on the news that Juggernaut and, and Russell are at the school about to kill the headmaster. They get there. Another battle ensues. This time, the Colossus, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and uh, Negasonic's girlfriend, Yukio, another mutant at the X-Mansion, all go with him. Of course, Colossus and Juggernaut get into it in a very classic comic book, straight out of the comic book kind of fight. Um, although you get to hear uh, Colossus curse in this one, which is pretty pretty interesting to see him kind of break free, get a little dirty in this one, which is cool. I'm a huge Colossus fan, so that was fun to see. Um, eventually, it does come down to uh, Russell, who is so angry he's dead set on killing. And, uh, uh, but Deadpool does stop him, uh, from doing it, mainly by sacrificing himself. He tells Russell that if he's going to do it, uh, it, he puts a, he puts on, he puts on one of the mutant dampening powers, collars, and tells Russell he's going to just have to kill him. In the end, though, he ends up getting shot by one of the orderlies. And begins to die. Uh, but Cable, who by the way, when Cable jumped back in time, he only had enough power in his time jumping device to jump into the past and then once back to the future. That's all the power he had. However, he decides to use his last jump to save Deadpool instead, goes back, places an item right where he was going to be shot. It's a little lead coin um, that blocks a bullet and saves Deadpool's life. So in the end, we have our real X-Force team, which is Colossus, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, Yukio, Russell, who is Fire Fist in the comics, very obscure character, Domino, Cable, and Deadpool. And that will be your X-Force team for the X-Force movie. They walk off as a new family. It's all about, as, as Deadpool puts it, it's a family movie. And this is his new family. Um, so, happy ending, blah, blah, blah. Then the credits roll and we get the end credit scenes. And in the end credit scenes, Deadpool actually gets Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Yukio to work on the time-traveling device and get more jumps for him so he takes the device and goes and saves vanessa saves peter so after peter lands he tells him not to go just go leave uh so he walks away so peter's alive so we may see him again in x-force as well he then goes back to uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine and shoots the muted Deadpool character repeatedly, killing him off. So that was great. And then he, sh- then you see Ryan Reynolds looking at the Green Lantern script and Deadpool shoots him in the head as well. So that was pretty funny. Nice little, again, nod to the character. And that was the film. So, again, all in all, the film was a fantastic movie. I'm actually going to go see it again this weekend because I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's a lot of fun and there's a countless number of Easter eggs for so many, even after doing the research and looking into stuff and writing the articles I've written and, you know, uh, Mr. Sunday movies who does the, uh, weekly planet podcast. Uh, one of my favorite guys on YouTube, go check him out by the way, Mr. Sunday movies, Mr. Sunday movies, go check it out. Great videos. And he did a 600 Easter eggs video 
<laughs> for Deadpool 2. Now, granted, he doesn't actually hit 600, but still, he hits quite a bit of them, and there's still some he missed. Because there's so many. It just When you have a character like Deadpool, it's all meta and, and, and that kind of stuff. You can't help it. It's just that's how it's going to happen. So now I'm going to pull up some of my articles, and we're going to discuss different things about the movie. Um, so first off, the movie actually did ha- almost have a, a darker ending. They almost they didn't um, bring Vanessa back. They thought they needed to keep it because the thing is, it does create a plot hole. The whole idea of Wade Wilson being so depressed, he tries to kill himself and ends up at the X Mansion, and then decides that for Vanessa's sake, I gotta go save this kid. All hinges on the fact that she died. If he brings her back, shouldn't all that not happen? Well, I go into a lot of metaphysical depth into that article about time travel. A lot of people will subscribe to time travel in a very back to the future linear sense. It works from a time, it's on a timeline, it's a straight line. Then if you go back, you create a branch off of that to a whole new reality if you change something in the past. So on that theory, I mean, technically, going back and saving Vanessa should change all the ensuing moments. Uh, in other words, Cable would have gone back and killed Russell without so much as Deadpool probably even knowing until it was too late. Nor would there have been an X-Force team. Nothing. So... Um, a lot of people have had a kind of an issue. Oh, that's just lazy writing, blah, blah, blah. Which, by the way, the whole lazy writing aspect comes up a lot in this film. Uh, Deadpool calls it out quite a bit. And the writers do too. They have fun with it. Excuse me just a moment, taking a sip. <sighs> Thank you. However, I don't subscribe to the Back to the Future linear timeline form anymore. Um, there's a great movie called Arrival with Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner, and it gives you a whole new theory on time that's actually based in science about time-space continuum being a fifth-dimension kind of thing, and the fact that it all happens at the same time, or at least what we consider time, our concept of time, that the past is happening at the present, which is happening in the future. It's all happening at the same time. It's being able to look through that fifth dimension to see it. Which means that everything is kind of predetermined in a sense. Because the future is happening at the same time as the past and the present. It's all happening at once. Um, think of it in, a, in a, an almost circular kind of motion. It's all in this area, this bubble. So, what it does though, if you have the ability to see through the fifth dimension and see what's going on in the past... In the future, you can make changes in the present, but the overall theme or the overall idea of what's going to happen will still be there. Meaning, there's fixed points in time, or this kind of stuff still going to happen. So he goes back, saves Vanessa, but for some reason, something would have happened, and he still would have seen the, the news article, or been at the X Mansion, or you know. Because Colossus was still actively looking for him and still trying to get him to be an X-Men and be a good person. So there's countless ways that that could have happened. Um, and then there's one other thing we got we didn't consider either. And you really got to think about this. This is a huge, huge point. It's a damn movie, people. 
and one that makes fun of himself based around a character who knows he's not real. So let it go. It's just supposed to be a fun movie. You're not supposed to be this existential about it. However, I did write an article available on ScreenGeek.net as well as Nerddom101.com. Um, now, let's see here. Let's talk cameos as part of the Easter eggs here. Because um, there were some big-time cameos in this film um, that went un unacknowledged. So, one of them was the Vanisher, part of the X-Men team. So... Uh, or I'm sorry, not X-Men, X-Force. Throughout the film, you don't even see the Vanisher. You know, he's, just, he's an invisible character, but you see him, stra you see this floating, strapped-in parachute, and it jumps out. Um, however, in the last seconds of his life, when he hits the power lines, you see his power go away, and you actually see the actor playing Vanisher, and it's none other than Brad freaking Pitt, man. Brad Pitt. Now, Brad Pitt was actually attached to this film as he was the first person they were looking at to play Cable. Scheduling conflicts and other things prevented him from taking the part, um, but he still kind of wanted to be a part of it. He even made the joke that he'd, he'd do a cameo if Ryan Reynolds brought him coffee. Well, sure enough, Ryan Reynolds brought him coffee. It was a double wet cappuccino, and Brad Pitt had actually forgotten about the joke and was appreciative of that. And he came in and shot the little scene. It was, again, very, very quick. It was literally only two seconds. You see his face as he's getting shocked on the power lines, and then he's d dead. But... Nonetheless, he did it. Um, another cameo is actually two cameos, but I'm only gonna, I'm gonna start with one of those two. There's two when Cable arrives back in the past, very a la almost Terminator style. Um, there's two rednecks having a very existential conversation about the inadequacies of just toilet paper and needing to use baby wipes and stuff like that. It's very weird and and funny. Well, one of them is Alan Tudyk, who everybody remembers from Firefly and of course tons of other stuff. Um, he's a prolific voice actor and, uh, character actor throughout Hollywood. Um, so he was one of the rednecks. Now the other one was in heavy makeup and prosthetics. He actually turned out to be none other than Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon making his second Marvel cameo in a year. Of course, he played the, uh, actor who played Loki, um, on Asgard during the little, uh, uh, play to honor Loki's death. Um, and he went uncredited in this film. Um, it says that it was played by Dickie Greenleaf, which was his character from uh, Talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, and then another set of cameos was really cool. was during the X-Mansion scene. Of course, Deadpool's running around in Professor X's uh, wheelchair and talking to Colossus about how Fox couldn't afford any other X-Men besides him and Negasonic. And... You know, he even says, well, why couldn't we, we couldn't even get the guy with the pigeon wings or anything like that, which is, of course, a reference to Angel. Um, but as he's going down the hallway, he has his back to this room. And inside the room, you see James McAvoy with the shaved head sitting in a chair. Uh, Evan Peters um, as Quicksilver. Nick Holst as Beast. And I'm talking full-blown furry blue feet Beast. Uh, Ty Sherrington as Cyclops. And Alexandria Ship as Storm. Um... They realize very quickly that Deadpool might see them, so they very slowly close the doors to make sure he doesn't see them. So I thought that was a nice little fun little nod. Uh, let's see here. Um, so another one that I mentioned the Ryan Reynolds, or I mentioned the 
Matt Damon one, but another one is R- Ryan Reynolds, and I'm not talking the end credit scene. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is actually in the film because he plays the voice and facial mocap for Juggernaut. Now, Juggernaut in this film is like 10 feet tall and 10 feet wide. Massive, massive dude. Um, uh, and it says that uh, Juggernaut is played f- as himself. Um, that's who was cast. Um, it was great, and that's one of those reasons they were able to keep that was so secret because they didn't actually cast anybody. They had Ryan Reynolds do it. So that was great. So that was really cool. But uh, Juggernaut was awesome in the film. So again, I recommend you go see it. Oh, no, I just, I mean, again, I had a lot of fun. I don't, I've heard people, people complain about it and I don't get it. Let me see here. Now we're going to go into Easter eggs. Again, there are lots and lots and lots of Easter eggs. Um, so this isn't going to cover all of them, just some of the ones we got. There's obviously tons of uh, X-Men nods from the X-Men Cinematic Universe, including the mansion, uh, the Blackbird scene. Um, Deadpool at one point is wearing Cerebro around the house. Says it smells like Patrick Stewart. Um, he's in Professor X wheelchair from the first uh, trilogy of films. Um, there's the school being called the Essex School, which is, of course, uh, Nathaniel Essex who played, or who is Mr. Sinister, and his his name's been dropped a few times now recently in the movies, so that was pretty cool. Uh, then we have the Goonies references. So, of course, Josh Brolin got his start uh, in the pop culture, uh, the pop 80s culture phenomenon that is the Goonies. Great film, love it to death. Uh, of course, that was Josh Brolin's first film, major film, anyways. And um, at one point, Deadpool calls Cable One Eye Willie, which is not just a reference to the fact that he has one cybernetic eye, but One Eye Willie was the pirate treasure they were going after. And then in a scene where Deadpool is healing after the fight with Juggernaut, uh, he's wearing the actual exact same Hawaiian shirt that Chunk wears in the film. So that was cool, too. There's tons of callbacks in the film to different stuff. One, of course, is obviously the um, poor rendition of Deadpool in the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, uh, both subtly and overtly when he shoots him in the head several times. Um, another one, though... Oh, and the, the one scene in the um, in the trailer, you see it, and it's in the film as well, where he's blocking, trying to block Cable's bullets with his swords is a take off the... Um, scene in X-Men Origins that uh, Wade Wilson, before he's dead, quote-unquote Deadpool, uh, does on a mission. Then there's also a callback to Deadpool 1, which granted there's all kinds of subtle ones in that, you know, between characters and and things said. But one of the biggest ones was when, um, in the first film, before he goes to complete the movie in the big climax, he tells Blind Al... There's 116 kilos of cocaine somewhere hidden in the the apartment right next to the cure for blindness. Well, uh, before trying to kill himself, he does sneak back into the apartment and pulls up a floorboard. And sure enough, there's all the cocaine and a bag labeled the cure for blindness. So he wasn't lying, and I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, granted, the cure for blindness might just be more cocaine, but who knows? All right. Then there's a lot of num- uh, numerology, a lot of little nuances to numbers in the film. Uh, Zeitgeist is a tattooed 
uh, character that gets X Force. Um, well, one of his tattoos, quite big one, is a uh, one six six, or I'm sorry, one one six. Um, the tattoo's done in a roadside style, but that's actually the issue where X Force one sixteen is where Zeitgeist team premieres, and subsequently gets killed in a very bloody and nasty way, uh, slightly reminiscent of the death of the X Force team, and how quickly they come and go. Um, they literally had one issue. Um, it was uh, almost in the comic. It was a very much a publicity stunt style. They were very. Um, it was like a glamour team. They had paparazzi. They were making a big deal of it. Then they go on their first mission and just get destroyed. I'm talking bloody mess, guts everywhere, awful. So that was a nice little nod. But another one is. Uh, Wade Wilson's prisoner number in the icebox. The prisoner number is 24601. Now, that also happens to be uh, uh, Hugh Jackman's character's prisoner number in Les Miserables. Uh, Jean Jadot, I believe, is the name of the character. And you'll hear Russell Wilson, uh, Russell Crowe actually sing uh, the number. Uh, but 24601 is the prisoner number, so I thought that was cool, too. Now... One of the more controversial things about this film was the fact that they decided to leave uh, uh, T.J. Miller in the film after all the controversy that's been going on with him lately with calling in death threats to airports, slapping an Uber driver, and now there's some sexual assault charges being brought up against him. Well, by the time this had all kind of come to light, especially the sexual assault one, the film was already almost done. Um, so his shot scenes were shot and everything, the production decided very controversially to keep him in the film, but then very publicly state he will not be in Deadpool 3 or X-Force or any other films. They've cut ties with him and there will be no, you know, Weasel is no more. But a funny little nod is during the news story that where the news is showing Russell on the crawler on the bottom, it says Christopher Plummer... Uh, turns down role in Deadpool 2. Now, a lot of people might miss this, what this means, but what this is, is Christopher Plummer ended up reshooting all of Kevin Spacey's scenes in the movie All the Money in the World when it turned out that Kevin Spacey had a huge sexual allegation uh, slapped against him and he went into hiding. So, uh, Christopher Plummer was brought in and reshot all the scenes. So it was a nice little nod, like, hey, look, we acknowledge that something went down and... We can't fix it with reshoots, but at least at this point we know, and he will no longer be involved. So that was kind of cool. So, da, 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 da. now, one of the names I mentioned that they were plan that Vanessa and Wade were planning on uh, naming their kid was um, Connor, and that name doesn't seem to have any significance until you find out that it actually does. Connor McGruff was a kid with terminal cancer that uh, part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, he wanted to see the Deadpool film. Uh, and he really wasn't supposed to survive in time to see it. So Ryan Reynolds brought him an early copy, and they sat together and watched the film together. Uh, they became friends, and Ryan checked on him constantly until he passed away in 2016. He never actually got to see Deadpool 2. So, um, of course, that name, it's, it's, it's heart breaking and heartwarming all at the same time that they use that name and push for that name to kind of be their kid's name. So there's another point um, 
there's two costume points that are kind of Easter eggs as well. One being the X-Men trainee outfit, which you guys might have seen in the trailer, where he's wearing it looks like a mesh jersey with an X on it. That looks very reminiscent to when Deadpool actually tried to join the X-Men in the comics and redid his costume that way, uh, with the yellow and the and the X in the chest. So, But the other one is during the final scene with Russell, he gets hit pretty hard with a fireball and he gets covered in, a, in ash and char. And then his suit looks, it goes from being red to being gray and black. And it looks like his X-Horse costume from the comics. The gray and black X-Force costume. So that was a cool nod to... Um, kind of a deep cut, but... And it's... I mean, it's, it's kind of a stretch, too, in a sense. But, the, I mean, that is what that Easter egg is there for. It's, it's been confirmed that that's what they were going for with that scene. Uh, of course, both Ryan Reynolds and the character Deadpool uh, hail from Canada. Our great white neighbor to the north. So there's tons of little nods to Canada. Um throughout the film but the best one is a comic book reference uh the advertisement on top of dopinder's cab is for a travel company called alpha flight now for any of you familiar with the comic books alpha flight is a canadian version of the x-men uh with characters like the guardian sasquatch and my favorite puck um alpha flight is an awesome comic i really wish there would be a live action version of that um whether it be tv on netflix or uh it be uh, a film but it was just a nice little reference to kind of get them in somewhere. So that was pretty cool. So um, That's all the Easter eggs I'll cover for now. There's there's more, um, but I don't want to ruin all the fun for you guys to go back and watch it again and see what you can find. Let's see here. What other stories we have about this movie? Do-do-do. I'm stalling while my computer loads very slowly. Alright. So, I already kind of discussed the end credit scenes. Um, you know, of course he goes back, saves Vanessa, and then he takes out the crappy Deadpool and then he takes out Ryan Reynolds while trying to do Green Lantern. Uh, saves Peter. But there's one credit scene that was actually cut. Um, it was only seen in a um, in a, uh, a, a test market style where they preview the film to certain people to see what tests well. So the test group did not like this one at all. During the film, uh, Cable is of course, talking about the time travel, and Deadpool makes the crack about, why didn't you just go back and kill Hitler as a baby? Um, you could have stopped all that from happening. Instead, you're selfish and only saving your family. Um, well, they originally shot a scene where Deadpool actually goes back in time and kills baby Hitler on screen. Not, like, off screen or anything like that. Like, he actually is there in a nursery and chokes baby Hitler to death and while he's choking him the camera kind of pans and you end up in the baby's perspective so you're literally watching you first you would see him choking a baby with his bare hands and then you from there are from the perspective of a choking dying baby 
Uh, the crowd thought it was way too much, even for Deadpool, and uh, the writers in hindsight felt it was as well, so they removed it from the film. Although the scene might very well make the DVD, they have said that it might be on the special features of the Blu-ray. So if you're into that killing baby Hitler thing, you might still get to see it. But I gotta agree, that might have been just a little bit too much for audiences to accept. Um... But, you know, hey, I mean, if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. Um, now, a lot of people were kind of upset over the X-Force deaths. Uh, and actually, I was kind of too, because obviously Shatterstar, you know, I grew up, I, I had X-Force 1, I had the New Mutants, you know, I had all that stuff. I had, you know, New Mutants 98, and X-Force number 1, all that stuff, and... Shatterstar was was the man. He was awesome. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, he was a mutant uh, whose powers were kind of based in in luck, but as well as telekinesis and some telepathy and uh, super agility stuff like that. And he was raised on Mojo World, um, and it turns out that his parents were Dazzler and Longshot. Uh, overall, though, he was a really cool character. One of the first openly gay characters in the comic books. And it would have been great to see him kind of fleshed out more in the film instead of just getting offed right away. Um, but, you know, he, Bedlam, Zeitgeist, and Avenger gone. Dead. Instantly. During the very first mission, during the, the launch of the very first mission. Um, the writers actually talked about it. Let me pull up the article so I make sure I get everybody's names right. Get down there. My computer's slow. Okay, so director David Leitch and writers Rhett Reese and Paul Warnick talked about it. Um, and what's great is they you actually see in the trailer a lot of action with the X Force team members. Well, as it turns out, they literally shot those scenes just for the trailers as a way to misguide. Um, so it was great because the that those death scenes were very unexpected. And um, it kept fans guessing in a, in a world of uh, instant gratification, social media, no secrets. They were able to keep it under wraps, so that was pretty cool. But... Um, you know, the director said it was one of the ways they could screw with the audience through Deadpool's lens by shooting this kind of stuff. And then Ryan Reese added, One of the things we did, we asked the actors if they were willing to shoot the extra footage. They indicated they were in... That indicated they were in more of the movie than they were actually going to be used in. So Terry Crews and Bill Skarsgård and the rest of those guys all went out back in front of a green screen and did a bunch of fighting with stuntmen. And that's what you see in the trailers. You see Bedlam kicking ass. They all stayed an extra half day to do that, and that was pretty awesome. Reese then added, When they came to set, we shot the additional material that we knew we were just going to put in the trailers and would never be in the movie. It was all about playing a prank like only Deadpool would do. Ryan Reynolds reached out from the screen and is tickling you. You know, so... Now granted, these characters aren't necessarily dead. Um, because... Just like in comics, anything can happen in a Deadpool movie. 
Especially with him having the time travel device. Oh, excuse me. So he very well could bring them back, and maybe we'll see them again. But again, again, and the quote is, "They'll figure it out. It's just lazy writing. That's all you need." Um, of course, there's that lazy writing gab again. The stab they keep taking because of you know people think it's you know lazy writing, but really it's not. But all in all, it was great to see. Um, some trickery done that really kept us going. It was something that I, I feel like goes right out of the uh, MCU playbook because the same thing happened in Avengers Infinity War and a couple other Avengers or the Marvel trailers where they shoot stuff specifically for the trailers where they put in via CGI things that aren't going to be in the movie just to keep you guessing. So uh, I appreciate that. I think it's really cool because it's nice to go into a film not knowing everything about it based on the trailer. I mean, that goes back to, remember, Amazing Spider-Man 2, all the trailers that came out for that disaster. Um, it turned out they had ended up putting 42 minutes worth of footage out just in the trailers, and the film's only two hours long. So almost half of it was already out there. And It's not even two hours long. I think it's like an hour and 50 minutes or something like that. So half the movie was out there just in the trailers. So the film was not a surprise to anyone when they went to see it, which is one of the reasons it did so poorly. That it's not a good movie. But it could have been done so much better. So all in all, go see Deadpool 2. Highly, highly recommend it. Like I said, I'm going to go see it again this weekend, see if there's any more things I can pick up from it. Um, Fantastic film, super funny. Uh, Deeper story than the first one. Um, Some actual emotional uh, ties to it. Uh, very well done. Very, very funny. Ryan Reynolds is fantastic as Deadpool. There's no denying he is Deadpool. Just a good time. It was just a lot of fun. People laughing out loud in the theater. It was a blast. It was fantastic. Great action. Cool interpretation. We get Juggernaut like he should have been done. And not the Vinnie Jones, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. You know... You know, from X-Men 3, the last crappy tactical movie that Brett Ratner will ever do. Um, yeah, because that guy's not in Hollywood anymore. Seriously, though, like, it's just well done. Go see it, man. It's awesome. Go check it out. Highly, highly recommend it. So, on that note, uh, some other things I want to discuss is... There's a lot of other news out there, too. Um, like, uh... For all my horror fans and video game fans, specifically Resident Evil, uh, of course, there's been the six films with Mila Jovovich, which are, you know, I mean, they're okay, I guess. They're just not really Resident Evil films, to be honest. They don't really stick to the story. They have little moments and, and little Easter eggs and stuff that nod to the film, but it's, a, you know, new characters and stuff like that. However,. There is talk of making a Resident Evil. They've already talked ever since since they announced the the final chapter movie, the last movie in the series. They've already been talking about rebooting it. Well, now the talk of that reboot is doing it as a TV show. Um, so as long as they go with say Stars, which did um, the Ash vs Evil Dead, did that extremely well. Fantastic show. Check that out. Um, or they go to HBO, or they go to let's go say they go to Netflix. Um, it can be done really, really well. 
and we can actually get something that's closer to the games, which is they've already said that we'd stick much closer to the games. And the thing is, those games, their games are, are damn near cinematic on their own. There's plenty of rich history over almost a 20-year span, and there's tons of great story there. So there's plenty to work with, and there's plenty that, especially in a TV series, that you can do. It'll be great. So, as a huge Resident Evil fan, have played every game in the series. Super, super excited, and I have high, high hopes for it. Hopefully it doesn't let me down, but it really shouldn't. So, I'm hoping for that. Um, let's see, the... Oh! This is fun. Um... Again, go check out the article at ScreenGeek.net, but the first official image for Shazam has been seen. So the first officially seen image of uh, Shazam in costume uh, has been shown, and he looks fantastic. Oh my god, it's right out of my childhood. I can't wait. Um, the DC's Captain Marvel was one of my favorite characters, and to see it come to life is going to be phenomenal. Um, granted, he'll be called Shazam. They can't call him Captain Marvel, obviously. But, um, just, just awesome. I can't wait. Zachary, uh, Zachary Levi looks fantastic in the part. And he's got that childish wonder to himself that will make it just awesome. So, again, I can't wait. It's going to be great. So, go check that out. Uh, let's see. Y'all. What else have we got? Uh, da, 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 da. it two, it chapter two. Sorry, will be coming out soon. Or not coming out soon. It'll be out September of next year. But they're gonna start shooting soon in July, and they've got most of their cast for the adult versions of these characters. Um. Oh, there's one more theory about Deadpool two. I want to talk about. I'm glad I went back and looked at these articles. So, heading back into Deadpool two. There is a very fascinating theory that I first dismissed out of almost pure uh, fanboy anger, but hear me out on this. Okay, so, obviously we have Cable in Deadpool 2, and everybody's excited to see him. Now, everybody remembers the character uh, as the son of Scott Summers and Madeline Pryor, who was a clone of Jean Grey. Who were sent to the future, had the baby. Baby was experimented on by a sinister, but then went on to be a freedom fighter. Um, unfortunately, got infected with the techno organic virus. Um, but as it turns out, he is one of the most powerful mutants of all time with psychic powers that crush Professor X and Jean Grey, telekinetic powers that crush Jean Grey, um, uh, as well as all kinds of other stuff. Oh, excuse me, get another drink. Throat's dry. Now, the only reason you never saw Cable really get to use his powers in full force is because he was using 70% of his psychic ability and telekinetic powers to actually hold the Technovirus at bay from continuing to spread throughout his body. But, um, he was this, you know, six foot eight, super strong and agile dude who um, comes to the past to help out uh, stop a clone of him from taking over. And then, of course, sticks around and is a part of several other major 
points in the Marvel Comic Universe and 616 Universe. Um, however, the theory for Deadpool is, is that's not the cable we're getting. In fact, uh, it's actually Wolverine and not Cable. And of course, you might be like, what? That makes no sense. But hear me out. Now you see, in the Ultimate Marvel Comics universe, which, mind you, the Ultimate Comics have have given more influence into the cinematic world than any of the other comics. In that universe, Cable is a much smaller version of himself. He's only about 5'11 versus the 6'8". Uh, he also doesn't have any of the powers of psychic or telekinesis or anything like that. Well, and that's the reason is, is what turns out, when he goes back in the past, he's not there to stop a clone of himself, he's there to kill somebody who ends up becoming a murderer. Sound familiar? But later find out that Cable is actually old man Logan who's lost his healing factor. So he had to put in a cybernetic arm and an eye prosthetic that he lost in a battle. And that leads to him looking like Cable. So it's uh, I mean, it's not far fetched. I mean, it's I, at first I thought it was, but the more you look into it, um. So again, let's talk powers. Here, let's break it down. Six One Six Earth, which is the standard Marvel Universe version of Cable, is the son of the two Omega level mutants, making him one of the most powerful beings on the planet. Telepathy stronger than Professor X, telekinesis more powerful than his mother's. And thanks to the infection of the Technovirus, which gives him a metallic arm, superhuman strength, and he's nearly invulnerable. He's an overpowered mutant, and his only real weakness comes from his own power being held at bay. But now you look at the Ultimate Cable, who is just an, uh, an older Logan. He has a cybernetic eye and arm implanted after losing him in battle, which he used to enhance his strength a bit, as well as his oh, excuse me, metal skeleton, the adamantium skeleton, helps aid him in taking blows and being able to take more damage than typical. Um, but he can be cut and be hurt, get scars, that kind of stuff. Um, as I said before, 616 Cable is nearly 7 feet tall, but Ultimate Cable is much shorter because it's actually Logan. And again, this is actually addressed in the film too, where Deadpool makes a crack about his height, saying, I thought you'd be taller. Uh, another part is, like I mentioned, the scars... Uh, if you see the up-close picture of Cable, Josh Brolin's Cable, he's got facial scars that look almost identical to the Ultimate Universe's Cable. Now, maybe the producers and directors and art people were just looking through comics and used the visual as their concept, but Josh Brolin's makeup look and everything else really looks more like the Ultimate version than the 616 version. Again, talking missions. 616 Cable goes back in time to stop an evil clone of himself named Strife. In the Ultimate Universe, he goes back to stop a mutant and kill him before it leads to a horrific future. Which is the same reason that in the movie, Cable goes back to stop Russell from killing his parents and leading to a much darker future. Now, in the Ultimate Comics though, the villain he goes back to kill is actually Apocalypse, who has now inhabited the body of Mr. Sinister. Which, by the way, Sinister has been teased through several X-Men films now, including Deadpool 2. So that's also a good possibility. But of course you ask, 
if Josh Brolin's cable is the Wolverine version of cable, why didn't he pop his claws at any point? Well, that's actually quite easy. In the Ultimate Universe, the future Wolverine, who calls himself Cable, doesn't really pop his claws unless he absolutely has to. And even then, it's kind of it's it's definitely just the the absolute last resort. And the reason is is because he lost the healing factor. It's much more painful and excruciating to not only pop them but to use them because of the pressure on the body and whatnot and how heavy they are. And his hands don't heal from them popping out. And so. What this, if this theory is true, which, I mean, in all honesty, it's probably not. I don't know if the writers went this in-depth with the character with such high future plans based around Fox and the Disney merger and everything else. But what it does do is it allows you to recast Wolverine without bastardizing what Hugh Jackman did for 17 years. You can cast a younger person for the 90s and 2000 films that are coming out, like the X-Men, uh, Dark Phoenix, and all that kind of stuff. So... And it's also a way for if Marvel decides to bring the mutants into their MCU, which I know they want to do, um, then there you go. It would there's a way to do it, um, and you can keep Josh Brolin as the future version of him um, instead of having to bring in Hugh Jackman to play a future Wolverine. Um, so if he really wants to be done, he's done. And it just it leaves the door open because the thing is, what can be done now too is if let's say the merger does happen, which we... It's all but going to happen, although Comcast is now trying to put in an even bigger bid and stop the merger. But, I mean, let's it's going to happen. Let's, you know, fingers crossed. But, so the merger happens, and because of the merger, Hugh Jackman decides to come back as Wolverine, which he did say that the only way he would come back is as Wolverine in an Avengers film. And considering that Avengers 4 isn't actually the last time we'll see the Avengers... There's a possibility. So, but let's say that that happens. You can then leave this ambiguity behind Cable and stick with the 616 storyline and flesh him out more there. Or, if Hugh Jackman won't come back and you need to recast and do all this other stuff, you now have the open ability to say, yep, that's what we planned all along. Uh, this is actually Cable... Uh, this is actually Logan Cable, and he is actually Wolverine in the future. So, I mean, there's a possibility here. It's something that can be done. So, I mean, it would be interesting to see. Again, I don't actually think they actually planned it out to be that. Um, I'm sure something would have leaked by now, but... Still an interesting theory. Uh, has a lot of merit to it. So we'll see how it goes. So, all right, guys, um, we're going to go ahead and call it quits on this podcast. Again, don't forget, we are looking for somebody to do us a nice little theme song, 10 to 15 seconds. Um, eventually, I will be looking for a co-host as well. Um, so now, granted, I'm kind of out in a weird place, so it might have to be done via Skype, but we might be able to work something out. Um, as always, go to nerddom101.com, N-E-R-D-D-O-M-1-0-1.com. Go to screengeek.net. Uh, look for mine and other articles there. Check us out on Pippa.io, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Deezer, all that fun jazz. So just go find every, it where you can. 
Uh, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Uh, tw- Twitter handle is SuperBeardVH. So check us out there. Uh, Facebook is Nerdum101. Leave us some comments. Any ideas you have. Any other topics you want me to talk about. Something coming up you want you want me to talk about, I can do that. Don't forget, we don't just discuss comic book movies here. We discuss wrestling, uh, paranormal, cryptozoology, comic books, you know, movies, TV, video games, whatever it is uh, that falls under um, the nerddom realm in the nerdosphere, whatever you want to call it. Hit us up. Let us know. All right, guys. We appreciate it, and we will see you guys next week. Peace.